Welcome to the HVAC Business Growth Podcast. Is your business getting beaten by the competition? Are your profits dwindling? It's time to kickstart your HVAC business. Here's your host, Nick Balowski. Hello, everybody. I'm Nick Balowski, and welcome to the HVAC Business Growth Podcast. The topic for today's podcast is sales success for HVAC businesses. It's going to be an exciting show, so let's get stuck into it. Today, we're going to cover some sales techniques, how to qualify and disqualify customers, and then we're going to go through a five-step sales process. And then, of course, we're going to finish off with the tip of the week, like we always do. So we're going to start with positioning versus prospecting. And I think this is a big key philosophy that we need to cover here. The whole idea of being an effective salesperson or an effective sales team is how you position yourself and how you position your company and its products and services. If we put this up against prospecting, so prospecting is basically where people don't really have a system and they just go out and try to find anybody or any man and his dog to try and buy their products and services. And it's a very inefficient way of doing things. And what sales teams find when they're doing prospecting is they spend a hell of a lot of time out on the road making appointments and making phone calls and those sorts of things, and it never really amounts to much because the systems that they're using aren't very effective. So if we put that up against positioning and how you position your products and services or how you position your business, there's quite a a massive difference. So positioning more often than not involves having a USP or a unique selling proposition where you position your products and services and you position your business in a particular segment in the market where it becomes evident that you are the only choice in the market if you are looking for a particular product or service. So marketing has a really big impact on how you position your company. So when we're talking about marketing, in this case, we're really talking about the message and what is the message that you are putting out to the industry and the market in general. Are you positioning yourself on price, product or dependability or service or a combination of all of the above? Do you position yourself exactly the same as all of your competitors? Are you taking a me too type of approach or are you developing yourself into a proprietary business that's really unique in the eyes of the market? So from the discussion of positioning versus prospecting comes two other techniques and the first one that I want to discuss is really pull versus push and this is in regards to marketing. In nearly all situations you want to be executing what we call pull marketing where your marketing that's actually out in the industry is actually pulling and directing prospects to come to your business. Whereas push marketing is a little bit more old school, it's a little bit more aggressive. You can get results with push marketing but what you'll find is your sales team is working similar to the prospecting mindset in that they're not getting a lot of high quality appointments to go to and they'll be working hard but they won't necessarily be getting effective results for your business. So when you're doing push marketing, clients or customers are typically a lot more difficult to sell, they're a lot harder to sell and they won't become lifetime customers whereas pull marketing takes a little bit more of a passive approach. You're letting the prospect or the customer come to you in your business and you're being a lot more consultative with the sales process 
and you're taking a little bit more of a long-term approach and the way you position and market your business has a great impact on the type of person and the type of client that you attract into the business. So as a flow on from this discussion, we have permission marketing versus interruption marketing. So interruption marketing is almost like doing billboard advertising or radio advertising where you are trying to just interrupt a prospect with your message and you're basically just praying that whatever you're saying or whatever the message is at that particular time that somebody is actually listening. So this can be really ineffective and it's a little bit more of a scattergun type of approach. So where you can, you want to try and use permission-based marketing where prospects are actually identifying themselves that they want help or they want to speak to somebody at your business or they want more information and then you can market to them from there. Obviously you're going to have a little bit more of a narrower focus with permission-based marketing but the conversions are going to be a lot higher. So you're not going to have as many people coming into the top of the funnel but you're going to get more people filtering through into sales. And the sales team that you've got or the sales person that you've got, they're going to enjoy working permission-based marketing or working a permission-based process a lot better than an interruption-based process. So that's going to be great for your sales team. So next we're going to talk about qualifying and disqualifying prospects. So there's four points here that we need to raise. And firstly, to be able to qualify a prospect, they need to have an interest in your products. So obviously the stronger the better. So somebody that has absolutely no interest at all would be just somebody in a shopping center. So you see a lot of HVAC businesses actually setting up stalls in shopping centers just in the middle of the walkway and then from there they basically just try and talk to anybody that comes in and a lot of the people walking in there have no interest in buying any of the products or services so it makes it really hard to actually qualify prospects from there so this can get back to positioning and the pull and position type of marketing that we discussed just a little bit earlier if a prospect is putting up their hand that they want more information on a particular product or service that your business offers and that shows that they're actually interested so that goes one step into actually qualifying them to do business with you. Secondly they actually need to have the ability to be able to spend money with your business so ideally they are employed people, they have stable employment, they have jobs, there's multiple income earners in the household although that's not a necessity. You might have a direct mail system or you might be able to rent a list where it actually shows people from a certain area that actually have credit cards or are actually qualified to have credit cards so credit card companies don't just go and give out credit cards uh, willy-nilly like they used to they qualify people a lot more now so people actually need to have an income and demonstrate an ability to be able to pay this back so you can use the systems that finance companies have actually set up to your advantage so they need to have the ability to be able to spend money with your business. The third thing is they need to have some authority so in either a residential or a commercial business to business sense they need to be the owner of the property. There's no use prospecting heavily in, in rental areas if we're talking residential so none of these rental property people, they don't have the ability to actually go and install a $10,000 heating and cooling system in the house. You know, they need to go and get permission for that sort of thing. But if they're an owner of the property or they're the owner of the company that you're dealing with, then they've got the authority to be able to make a decision on the spot. As a side note, I know that a lot of telemarketing people won't actually book appointments unless they can get the mother and the father or 
the two head parents of the house or the two people in the authority position to actually be present at the meeting. So they want all the stakeholders at that meeting or at that consultation if they're going to book that consultation. They don't want to waste the time of the salespeople. So the fourth thing is that they need to have a predisposition to actually saying yes. So ideally they've displayed whether they've actually brought a similar system in the past. So something might be up for renewal. So they might have had a system installed X amount of years ago and they're due for a new one. Or they might just be a service client of your business. You might be servicing their air conditioner once every 12 months or you might just be checking up on it. And they have shown an interest in getting products and services from your business in the past. So they are showing that they are at least predisposed to something yes. So I feel those four points are really important and they go a long way in qualifying and or disqualifying any prospects that are coming into your business. So now what I want to do is go through a five-step sales process that is really going to help any heating and cooling business. So the first one is you need to ask for permission or you need to have permission to go through the sales process. So what I mean by this is you need to get your client or your prospect in the habit of actually saying yes to you. So you need permission to be able to go through the sales process and you need them just making little decisions and saying yes, 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 get them answering yes as often as you can. So I'll give you an example of how to get a permission-based sales process started. So a, a great uh, thing that maybe your telesales staff could use or even at a consultation, one of your sales staff could actually say, if I could show you how to heat your home twice as effectively at half the cost, would you be interested? So that sounds pretty appealing, doesn't it? So most people are gonna say yes to that. So if they say yes, you've given them, or they've given you, I should say, buy-in to continue with the rest of the conversation. And you've actually pricked their interest a little bit there. So you can continue with the rest of the sales process. So firstly, you need permission. So the second step of the sales process is the offer. So you need to have a really good solid offer that you can put to them and you should know the offers that you've got as a salesperson inside out. So ideally you're only giving them two to three options. Usually this is going to be based on price or you might have some particular package bundles that you're putting in there either with bonuses or extra services or something like that and you need to make the offer a yes or yes proposition for them. So this is a little cheesy but to borrow a line from the Godfather they say I'll make them an offer they can't refuse. So as the line suggests having a really good solid offer does go a long way into making the sales process really smooth. So the third thing is presentation. So I'll just give you a formula that's fantastic to stick to and the formula is problem, agitate, solve. So it's basically a three-step formula and this involves actually asking a lot of questions particularly in the first two phases. So if you're a salesperson or if your sales team actually gets into the homes of the people that are interested, so hopefully the owner, they need to act like a doctor at the start and find out what the problem is, what are people actually looking for and what do they need. So when they find the problem that the person has, whether it's with their heating or cooling system, if it's not working, or whether they want a system to be able to heat their homes, to be able to keep their family warm. They need to find the problem and then zero in on it from there. 
So the second step of it is to agitate. So whatever they give you as the problem, you need to actually make the problem seem just a bit bigger than what it actually is. So you need to actually get some emotion into the process from here. Normally what people do is they go straight from problem to solving and they try and solve people's problems too quickly. They, they say, oh my heating system is broken and then they say, oh we've got a fantastic offer on a system today. That's just a little bit too hardcore, it's a little bit too fast. So what you need to do is identify the problem, ask a few more questions, be consultative and then actually agitate the problem. Say, what does it mean for you if we can't get air conditioning into your little girl's bedroom? Things like that, just agitate the situation, get them a little bit more emotional, slightly worked up, and then the carrot that you dangle after that, the offer, is going to look a lot more enticing to them. So the next step of the five-step sales process is the emotional desire. So I was at a seminar recently and a person in the audience actually said something that I thought was really good and they said facts open the mind and emotions open wallets so it's great to have all the facts and features about the products and services that you're selling but at the end of the day people buy with emotions they buy with emotions and they use facts to try and reason the situation so what this means is you need to merge people's needs with what they want so obviously a need is something that's a real strong core belief of somebody, they absolutely need it. And a want is just something like, yeah, I'd like to have that one day, or that would be pretty cool. So you need to merge the needs with the wants. So an example of this, it's providing for your family or keeping your family warm versus this system is better than that system. So obviously the first example that I gave there is going to be a lot stronger than the example of X system is better than Y system. So for those people out there who really think that sales is quite a cold and unemotional type of process, I think they really need to have a look at this and realize that it really is emotional. People don't part with a few thousand dollars or five figures of money just blindly. It's quite an emotional process. They get vested in the process. So you need to ask the right questions so they can go on that emotional journey. So the fifth step in the sales process is actually closing the sale. So from the previous four steps, this should actually be quite a natural process, but you still shouldn't be afraid to actually ask for the sale. So you know that you've nailed it when they say, how do we get started from here? So right throughout this whole sales process, what you need to do is actually watch for the signals, watch for the buying signals. So they're going to come up at various stages throughout this sales process if you've actually done it correctly. So if they're asking questions about the installation process or the timing of things or when you're available, there's some really good signs in terms of knowing that you've got a good chance of actually closing the sale. So I'm not a big believer in all of the different ways that you can answer objections. I remember hearing a story about somebody who's starting a sales job and they're actually given a manual that had 357 different objections and ways to answer them. And as it turns out, that salesperson said he only used maybe three of those answers to those objections. So you don't need any of the Jedi mind tricks or anything like that to try and close a sale. It's a very natural process. And if you've done a good job of positioning your products and services from a marketing perspective and then you've gone through a process like this and you've been consultative through it the whole time, always having 
the best interest of the prospect at heart and taking a long-term type of approach to business, then the sales process will be very natural, your closing will be a lot better, and your conversions will be up. So that's the five-step sales process. Now, I've actually got a bonus step for this, which pretty much nobody does, but it's super, super important. And the bonus step is to follow up. I'm sure you've heard of buyer's remorse before. So buyer's remorse is when people buy something, and then the next day, you're thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. So a way to combat this is to get your sales team to follow up. So after they sell something or after a system is installed, get the salesperson to make a phone call and just make sure that everything is actually working okay and that they're happy with it. You might even do this with a letter or some sort of package where you just send a nice thank you letter through and let them know that you haven't just sold them a system now you're just leaving them in the dust and moving on to the next person. So if you get really good at this, I think you'll find that your referrals will increase quite a bit because you've actually nurtured somebody through the whole process. They've looked for a system, you've spoken to them, you've gone through a consultation process, you've installed the system and hopefully done a good job and they're really happy with it. And now you've followed up and actually made sure that they're happy with how things are going. And you've also given yourself a chance, if you've made a blunder along the way, to rectify the situation. So if you follow this whole process, you're going to get a lot more referrals and maybe even some repeat business from these people later on down the track. So I really think you should use that bonus step that I've given there. It's going to make a world of difference. It'll drop the refund rate that you'll get by quite a bit. And you're going to get a lot less angry people out there in the market. One of the difficult things right now I feel with social media in particular is that if people have a bad experience, they're very, very fast to get on Facebook or Twitter and actually tell everybody how bad you are. Whereas a good follow-up process, a nice phone call from a salesperson or a letter could have actually stopped this before it happened. So it's very, very important that you do it. So now it's time for our HVAC business growth tip of the week. So this week's tip of the week is to invest in the training for your staff. And when I say invest in training for your staff, I mean your whole staff. I mean even the people that are in the warehouse uh, putting the products and services together and helping with shipping and dispatch and the drivers of the vans. Get everybody invested into sales training in your business. So anybody that has anything to do with clients, they need to know the sales process that you go through. So the great thing about this is that it's easily leveraged. So in fact, most sales teams are so inept at what they do, it's quite easy to get a 50% uplift in conversions. So can you imagine for maybe a small investment of say $2,000 per person, that's for quite an extensive sales course for $2,000, what a 50% uplift in conversions would mean? So obviously if you're doing $10 million in sales now, how would you like to go to $15 million in sales? You know, how would your rate of conversion like to go from 5% all the way up to 7.5%? You know, there's some pretty big moves there for such a small investment in training. So you might put on some sales days where you get a particular sales trainer come in. You might buy some really good books for your sales staff to read to try and give them some new techniques and get them motivated. You might start a sales mastermind type of thing with your sales team just to try and get them invested in their own development 
And obviously their skills are going to go up and they're going to be better salespeople. So in turn, if you're paying them a commission, they're going to get better financial compensation for themselves and you're obviously going to get the benefits from them selling more as well. So in short, I think you're crazy if you don't invest in sales training for your team. So that's all we've got time for today. I'm Nick Belowski for HVACBusinessGrowth.com. We'll see you next time. This has been another edition of the HVAC Business Growth Podcast. For more marketing tips and strategies, go to the website, hvacbusinessgrowth.com.